From the 915 to H-Town, from the Panhandle Plains to the Valley, and everywhere in between, this is the 5050 Podcast, powered by National Scouting Report. Join me, Hector Cano, as we cover the Texas high school club and college soccer landscape, along with an inside look at the college soccer recruiting scene. The 5050 Podcast is a platform about the people and for the people who are dedicated to the beautiful game. Here we go. It's another edition of the 5050 podcast powered by our proud partners, National Scouting Report, NSR. They are the world's leading authority on athletic recruiting, and they are also the originator in the high school student athlete marketing service industry. So to get more information on what they're about, you can find them on social media on Twitter at or X, I guess we, we should call it now. I guess I don't know at NSR N-O-W, as well as on Instagram at NSR underscore N-O-W. And you can also get more information on what they're about on their website at nsr-inc.com. All right. My next guest, this is way overdue. We're proud to have her. She is the, uh, I guess we can't say recently promoted anymore, but the, the head women's soccer coach of the Blinn College Buccaneers, Coach Alexandria Jackson. Coach, how are you? Great. It's great to be here. Finally, it's been a minute for us to get to this point, but I'm glad we finally got there. Yeah, I told I told you we'd, we'd make it happen. <laughs> we'd make it happen. It was just a matter of it was more a matter of when, not if. So, yeah, Absolutely. so we're we're excited to have you here finally and uh, way overdue, as we said. But uh, tell us a little bit, uh, you know, what's uh, what's new? What's going on before we kind of dive in and start talking things? What's, yeah. uh, tell us what's going on. Yeah, so obviously today our players moved in, and so we're we're oh. about to we're a couple of days away from preseason, getting that going as well as starting to recruit our 2024 class. Um, yeah. So it's a busy busy time in the office for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. So move in. So how does that work as far as move in for you all? Is that like is that like a one day thing? They have the weekend and they got to be in by set time, like a noon on Sunday. How does that work? Yeah, so our players typically have about two days to move in, give or take, um, mm -hmm. and then we start August 1st. So our first meeting would be that day, our first training session, et cetera. They get a couple of days to kind of ease into it and for mom and dad to say goodbye before we get going. Yeah, yeah. How is that? Uh, is that something that's like where you, you still look forward to it you have the the butterflies like the players do every year or is that just something kind of like hey you're you're pretty established and you're just like hey let's it's a system let's just get you in how does how does that work yeah i think everyone typically has those butterflies as much as established as we wanted to be uh yeah. and if you didn't you probably wouldn't love what you did right right um, but there's also a sense of understanding of not to get too excited uh there's a lot of hard work uh, the season's a marathon. And so to kind of steady yourself through the process, you know? Yeah. Now you understand that, but that brand new freshman that just arrived, that's, that's they do thing. not understand that they're excited for the freedom to get away from their family, but right. a lot of hard work ahead of them. Yeah. Awesome. So good stuff. Good stuff. Well, that's, I'm glad, I'm glad. Thank you for being here. Cause I know 
I know that's always a hectic day, right? <laughs> move in, move in day, move in weekend, whatever. So yeah. So thank you for being here. Absolutely. Um, thoughts, thoughts on the, I don't know how much you've had a chance to watch, but thoughts on the uh, women's world cup so far. Honestly, I think it's fantastic. The competition level this year is great. There's very few games where teams are blowing out other teams. There's a lot of what people consider upsets, but if you really track women's soccer, you understand it's not an upset. Um, it's exactly where it needs to be. And I think women's soccer is continuing to grow, to be honest. And yeah. we see that with the competitiveness of the World Cup. Yeah, you know, it's the largest field in Women's World Cup history, right? First time yeah. that 32 teams, it's it's evolved from 16 to 24 to finally 32. Mm-hmm. And um, to see where some of these, some of these countries and what they've had to go through, right, mm-hmm. just to get here. And then, and even then, they're not, they're not satisfied with just being there, right? They're, they're competing, they're competing. That's and you're true. seeing, and you're continuing to see that gap, right? Between the haves and have nots and new, new countries and new pro, the established, um, you're treat, you're continuing to see that gap get shorter and shorter and shorter, right? So, um, as we witnessed <laughs> overnight this morning, early this morning, right? With, uh, Colombia, you yeah. know, uh, take overtaking germany which was it was a phenomenal game i don't know you get a chance to watch that yeah a little bit but there's also plenty of other upsets like jamaica winning uh nigeria being at the top of their table as well and so like we said before the gap is getting closer closer yeah yeah that's a and a shout out to uh to another 50 50 podcast alum and coach waldrum who to me so far that the game that i've seen that's been the best was nigeria over australia um, Absolutely. That was a fantastic game yeah. to watch. Yeah. And then the game, the probably the best, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes, <laughs> last 20 minutes or so of a game was maybe that, uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank now, Argentina, who did they come back against? Um, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on who they came back against, but that comeback for Argentina, mm-hmm. um, that was probably complete, uh, complete chaos there. Um, so yeah, so we've seen some phenomenal games now who for you has there been, who has been maybe your kind of your front runner, maybe the strongest team so far that you, that you've seen. I think that's hard to say. I love watching good soccer if I'm being honest. So I can't really pull out and shout out just one team, to be honest. I really like, I really hope Nigeria goes further. I'm Nigerian. Um, American born, but Nigerian. So hopefully they go yeah. further. They, I think they deserve it. Um, but that's really tough. I mean, U.S. is always supposed to be the front runner, but they had a tough game against the Netherlands, you know, um, yeah. and they were losing that game and they had to come back and tie that game. But they have a, young players that are very good, you know, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. so you ne- you can never count out the U.S., um, but I think there's going to be a lot of surprises this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think uh... – yeah, I mean, so many things to hit on. Well, first of all, I got to comment on you're extremely diplomatic. You sound like a seasoned head coach already. Right? Just, it's like, hey, I'm going to give you an answer, but I'm not going to give you an answer. <laughs> I love that. I love that. But no, uh, all kidding aside, I, yeah, I, I get you. I think for me personally, the, the strongest team I've seen so far uh, through two matches because they haven't played three yet has been um, has been Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, just they just seem the most consistent most complete so far right mm-hmm. and to me to be honest personally the match that i'm most looking forward to up to this point in the tournament so far will be overnight tonight um spain and japan oh, that, yeah, that'll be a great game. yeah i think 
based upon their styles and, you know, and they're both going for it because the winner of that wins the group. Um, I think that, uh, I, th- I think it's gonna we're gonna be in store for a, for an absolute classic. I hope Absolutely. I hope knock on wood. I hope, yeah. I hope so. No but, blowouts, absolute classics only. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. So yeah, so that's good. That's good. Definitely keep up on that. And yeah, I cannot I cannot echo your thoughts enough. Very similar in terms of the the U.S. You know, the U.S. Women's National Team, and uh, kind of you know me personally, I continue to kind of scratch my head a little bit in terms of the the personnel decisions and mm-hmm. who who didn't start that match. And then I, I think the tough one for Vladko as the coach is trying to explain not to the media, right? Mm-hmm. Not not to the media, not to the American public, but to his own players as to in that Netherlands game, why you chose to only have bring in one sub, right? Yeah. That's that's a that's a tough one, I think, from from a player management, from a roster management perspective in a game like that, where every player in theory that you're supposed to bring, you're supposed to have some level of faith and confidence in. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and when you only bring in one, that kind of, you know, there's some explaining there to do with your players as far as, Hey, I'm here, coach, put me in some fresh legs could have made the difference in that Absolutely. game, especially in the last maybe 15, 20 minutes. So, yeah. So that's a tough one. Any, any thoughts on that? As far as. The yeah. Sub- and I even question why that sub didn't start Rose Lavelle, why right. she didn't start. Um, and, it looked as if we were a bit relaxed to begin with that we thought it was going to be a rollover win. Um, but I like the fact the second half they came out and they played, but yeah, that's a tough conversation. And the only people you have to explain it to are your players, you know, day in and day out. Um, but I think it's important to be truthful and honest and to have a plan for the future. They have a lot of games ahead of them. Uh, he could be holding off to hopefully have fresh mm-hmm. legs later down the line. Who knows? Um, but we didn't lose the game. You know, obviously yep. a win would have been better. Um, and so how much can you question a lot? A lot of the soccer community like, loves to have their ideals and question a lot of things about coaches. But you right. never know until you're in those shoes. You right, know. right. Yeah. And, and yeah. And, and in his, in his defense, right. There, we don't know what's going on behind the yes. scenes, right. We don't know of um, terms of injuries, who's banged up confidence issues. Someone, you know, does someone have a stomach bug or something that they're not reporting Absolutely. or hopefully we don't think it's anything like the drama that we saw what six, seven months ago with the men's team. Oh right? man. I think <laughs> so, the girls are professional enough. The women are professional right. enough to right. get over that. <laughs> All right. Man. All right. So we uh, we move on here. So entering year two there at Blinn uh, as the uh, the head woman in charge there of the women's soccer program there at Blinn. Um, tell us a little bit. Now, you've been there for a little while, though, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit in terms of this, just the uniqueness of coaching and recruiting at the junior college level. Yeah, I think there's a uniqueness in the junior college level, but even just at Blinn, you know, Blinn is unique within the JUCO community. Uh, we're the number one transfer school in the state of Texas. Uh, we have won 43 national championships, et cetera. We have facilities here that replicate Division One facilities that attract mm-hmm. the best of the best. I think the uniqueness of coaching and recruiting here is really just the time you have away from everybody else. Oh, the time you have with the players, it's shortened. Um, And so you have to get to work very quickly. You have to depend on freshmen very quickly. Um, And then 
the season goes by so quickly that the next thing you know, they're out the door. And so right. we have to establish our expectations um, and understanding of how we play very quickly and get it going from start to finish. Also the placement part. Um, mm -hmm. Placement is just as important as winning games here at the junior college level. Um, and we emphasize that completely. We define how successful we are, not only on wins, but on where we place our players. And so mm -hmm. I think the placement is the most unique part of it because it makes spring just as important as championship season in the fall. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, so give us a little bit insight. When you say placement, right, Like, and obviously you don't have to go into like procedural details, but what what does that involve from your perspective? Because it's that's part of what's different, right, at the junior college level. Mm -hmm. is you're kind of you're you're recruiting inbound, but you're also working and supporting your players outbound, right? That are trying to make Absolutely. that tran that that transfer to a to a four year school. Give us a little bit of insight as to what that what that entails on the placement side. Yeah. So typically, when we sign a player, we're already talking and thinking about where and when they want to transfer out. So it's very quick. Uh, we're thinking about now, but we're also thinking about the future. So what does it entail? It entails, obviously, us communicating to our network, uh, making sure we're playing against high quality opponents, both in spring um, and in fall, in the fall, obviously, our region is one of the best regions. In the spring, we we really push to play a lot of Division One schools uh, just to give our players the opportunity maybe they didn't have before at the club level. You know, we treat this as a platform, so not only within region but out of region, um, to make sure our players get the most opportunities they can uh, to get placed at that next level. Gotcha. Great stuff. What – what would you say is maybe the most, <laughs> the most often question, the the most often question you are asked about junior college soccer, about just JUCO? I think the most, the biggest question I'm asked is what the level is like. If I'm being mm -hmm. honest, uh, a lot of people don't understand until they are in the junior junior college level when they're here um, that the level is highly competitive. So we've had about five division one transfers come to our school and mm -hmm. their biggest surprise is the competitiveness at this level. Uh, we play against two ranked opponents, possibly three every year. Um, and once again, region 14 is one of the hardest regions you can play in with Tyler and Navarro, et cetera. Right. And right. so you don't realize how hard this region is until you step on the field. Uh, a lot of people think it's below certain levels, uh, but a lot of soccer coaches know and understand that it's all about equality and the quality of players. So did that get you did that even catch you by surprise when you when you first arrived at Blinn in terms of just the competitiveness level? Um I think everyone knew about Tyler. Everybody knows about Navarro. Um, and but until you see it, you don't really know. My mm -hmm. my experience has been predominantly four years before I got here. Now it's getting closer to more junior college level. And yeah, it did surprise me a bit to see the the competition across the board, not just Tyler and Navarro, not right. just um, Seminole State. It's across the board on how good these teams are. And these right. players are. Yeah, yeah, it's exceptional in terms of just your conference. Yeah. Um, so we we talked about year two, right? This is you're entering your second year. 
what was you know the the first year in charge with you know at, at the helm what was when you look at it when you look back on it from your perspective right from the coach's perspective what was you know the the good the bad everything you've had time to reflect um what was that like yeah i think it was a roller coaster it started and then it finished fairly quickly um we started off quite hot out of the gate, we went three and zero in our first mm -hmm. couple of games. Um, and then I think the biggest lesson we probably learned is that it's a marathon and not a sprint. Um, yeah. We hit the wall a bit, lost a couple of games, and then we we jumped back on track. You know, we were the youngest team in the conference at the time as well, um, and so a lot of inexperienced players, etc. Um, but I thought they handled it well. We ended up going to the postseason for the third year in a row, mm -hmm. um, and so. Even though we had a lot of ups and downs, it was an enjoyable season. Um, we take our losses as lessons, you know, um, and now it helps us going forward. You know, uh, that group helps set, set a standard. Um, mm -hmm. Postseason is just the minimal now, you know. Yeah. Um, placing players at Division One and Division Two are minimal now. Um, and so a lot of learning to do still. Uh, but I take that first season, regardless of the good, the bad, and the ugly, as a as a great season. Yeah. Now you mentioned about that as far as place placement players, D one, D two, regardless of level. Have you? Um, are there any that you any recent shout outs players that have moved on to the next level um, that maybe you'd care to recognize or that you could tell us a little bit about that came through your program? Yeah, so a El Paso local, local Anissa Charas, she give some love to the El, pa El Paso kid. There you go. There we go. Yeah. She is one of the hardest working players I know. Uh, she, because she was in El Paso, maybe sometimes she was overlooked. Mm -hmm. uh, she thought she was a D2 player at best, mm -hmm. you know, and she came in. Uh, she worked hard her two years. She played almost every minute of every game. Yeah. Uh, she became our captain, and now she's at UTEP. We had a U of H transfer, Taya Mitchell from Houston. Mm -hmm. uh, she was lacking a bit of confidence coming in. Yeah. Uh, those These last two years with us, she gained that confidence back, and now she's playing for Grambling. We also have mm -hmm. a young lady named Deja Marsh, who's at Texas Southern, um, once again, she kind of used this as a second chance as a recruiting process. Right. Um, and we kind of call it like that. Uh, she came straight from high school, uh, from Louisiana, jumped, right. I think, about six, seven hours away from home, committed to us, played well, ended up getting an opportunity to play at Texas Southern. We also have a couple of girls at uh, mm -hmm. Missouri Southern State, a Division II school, yeah. Um, and so we've done quite well. I, in the beginning, in 2019, we were placing players at the NAIA D3 level. Um, and now we're predominantly placing at Division One, Division Two. A lot of our sophomores already are, have offers for those schools as well. Um, and so we, like I said, we value success and we define success as improving from last year, but also placement, improving mm -hmm. the placement from the year before. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And shout out to a good friend of ours of the podcast there, Ken Murphy, uh, Ken Murphy photography, make sure you check them out. Great stuff. And uh, big support of the podcast. We appreciate you, Ken. Thank you. Um, yeah. You know, that kind of leads me into, so those are some players, right. That some big shoes to fill, right. So how, how big of a roster turnover from last year will you have going into this year? 
Yeah, so we have about 10 returning players. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's somewhat normal in junior college level. We're always turning over, whether it's by semester or by year. Um, and so we ended up bringing in three or four transfers, uh, three junior college transfer and one division one transfer from ULL. Um, and then we brought in about 15 newcomers, freshmen, straight from high school, ready to play, excited to play. And so the turnover is quite large, uh, but it's something that we got used to fairly quickly at the junior college level. My first year, it was a, my head was spinning a bit, uh, how quick they were in and out the door, but now it's it's quite normal, you know? Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, when they're transitioning out and moving on to um, moving on to the that next step, that's, that's really... It's a mixed bag, right? Because that's part of what you gauge a junior college coach on, right? It's not it's not just simply winning or results, but hey, are is there a track record, right? Are they moving yeah. on? So yeah, so I could imagine. <laughs> I could imagine. Yeah, we always say that we don't stop working until that day happens, until signing day happens. And then I can breathe and then we go again, you we know. Uh, again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I bet. Yeah, that's that's where really I just I have such tremendous respect for junior college coaches is I don't think most people get that, right? It's yeah. it's recruiting on two fronts, coming in and going out. Absolutely. So yeah, and it's constant, right? It's whether Absolutely. it's semester, yeah. What are some, obviously, ideally, you you would mention everybody, but are there any, are there some uh, new additions that have you excited uh, for any number of reasons that have you excited about this upcoming season? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, our sophomores, honestly, they had a great spring season where we played seven Division One schools. Um, and so we have a, a foundation here with our sophomores that are very good. They're very confident uh, because playing against those schools, you decide, you can see how good you are and how and where you stand against a Division One player. But we're bringing in and we have uh, Ellie Sargent from ULL. Uh, she played for U21 uh, Tottenham uh, before going to ULL and then she transferred over to us. We also have a transfer from Angelina a uh, Mexican national team player. Um, and then we have a couple of freshmen that might surprise us. You know, we have a couple of ECNL players, uh, Anika Murdoch, um, Samantha Rodriguez, Michaela Police. We have a lot of tools, I would say, uh, to be successful in this next upcoming season. Nice. Great stuff. That's, yeah, it sounds like you got a good bit coming in. So great yeah. stuff. Um, Finish this. So this next one's kind of a, I always put you on the spot here a little bit, right? So finish this sentence. All right. The biggest change for the 2023 season will be. Oof. Will be how we define success and how we take um, adversity. Okay. Can you expand on that? What do you Yeah. So obviously people define success, they'll look on your record and say, oh, this mm -hmm. is success. And like I've said before, we really sat down as a coaching staff to define what success means to us. And like I said, it's it's the, it, or were we better than we were the year before, which we progressively gotten better every year. And we look at the numbers, the goals, the goals against average, um, and then the placement, where are we in terms of placement? And we track that as well. How many offers our players got? What are they at the right fit a year from now, et cetera? 
Um, and so defining that success is super important and it's displaying that to our players are, is important because you can get lost in the wins and losses. You know, we can all be excited during preseason, but once you get your first loss, how are you going to react to that? You know, right, and it's right. super important that us as a coaching staff, we exemplify how we're going to react to that. And we help some of the young players through that. But we also have, like I said, that group of sophomores who have been through adversity before um, and understanding that there's a long way to go. And this is a part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, how would you, so you talk about, uh, obviously the, we go back, we rewind to the pandemic, right? That affected everybody. Yeah. The, uh, the college game was no different. <clears throat> it affected everybody. But from your perspective, right? How have you seen the junior college game change in the last few years? What are like the one or two like gigantic ones that you, of change that you've seen within the junior college game? I think, to be honest, it's the type of player we're able to attract. It used to be ECNL and GA players and DA players go Division One, Division Two. Since COVID, they've kind of opened their eyes to the junior college level as a serious opportunity for them, you know, and an opportunity where it's super competitive, mm -hmm. where it can check off the boxes academically as well. Um, I think in the past, a lot of people thought JUCO were for kids who had bad grades or did something bad. Um, but that's not the case, and especially not here. You know, this is a great opportunity for players, like I said, to have that second chance to get a platform maybe they didn't have um, at the club level um, and so forth. So that's probably the biggest change is the the ideal of what junior college is like. Mm -hmm. um, and that's especially in Texas, and that's down to some of the great teams we have in Texas, like Brookhaven, Tyler, Navarro, right. et cetera, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of one of the biggest – I'm not going to call it a misconception. I, I think it's just straight up people, not yeah. enough people know, is just the caliber and the level of play from some of the junior college, many of the junior college programs in Texas is Absolutely. is top notch. It's very high, very high. Um, but, you know, and, and I speak to so many coaches too, that college coaches, and I, I think the, the realization, I think players, coaches realized it first, Mm -hmm. parents to a certain extent along the way somewhere in there and i think student athletes are figuring it out now that the pandemic yes it it was a great big reset right in terms of what you're just talking about but that's not necessarily going to go away because what you've what you have now is because of the transfer portal right mm -hmm. is you have more and more those d1s and those d2s of the world they're looking there first right in many mm -hmm. cases before just incoming freshmen right so absolutely so all the more that kind of just further heightens what you were just talking about in terms of the junior college route uh I, what i've yeah. noticed is that a lot of the division ones division twos are looking for maturity and mm -hmm. so they're looking at the portal then they're looking at junior college because like you said they're kind of they're understanding more now that junior college is a competitive level um, and then they're looking at the high school kids. And so that allows us to have access, like I said, to those ECNL and GA kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and obviously I know you're well-versed on the, on the club side as a college coach. What are your thoughts? How much do you, are you able to keep up with, follow, attend, what have you yeah. on the, on the Texas high school soccer scene? How much, uh, what are your thoughts on that? What's your takeaway? What do you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, on the Texas high school scene, I mean, high school soccer in Texas is just as good, if not better, than ECNL and club level 
teams, to be honest. There's a passion behind it that I love. We recruit as much as college coaches say we, they don't go to high school games. We do. Uh, we enjoy going out, seeing how passionate they are about their community. And it's very competitive, to be honest. Some of the best players we found at high school games and not the ECNL games. And so Texas is different in that aspect because a lot of other places I've been at, it's not been that way, you know. Well, yeah. Well, that's uh, some high praise there. Some high there. praise. I know. Uh, some I know good players out there. Yeah, I know high school coaches will will appreciate that as well, and 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 rightfully so. You know, kudos credit to a lot of the club coaches as well that are Absolutely. that equally are responsible for that development piece. That and it shows on the high school side as well. So, um, we start wrapping up here, coach. We start kind of getting ready to transition. If you could look in your crystal ball a little bit, you know, we talk about the, the JUCO game, the junior college game, and what you've witnessed in terms of change recently. But if you could look in your crystal ball, what would you say maybe, in your opinion, would be the biggest change that you feel is will, will be in the junior college game maybe five years from now? Five years from now. I mean – NJCAA just had a partnership with ESPN recently. And so I do see NJCAA being more of a household name in terms of soccer, especially, especially on the women's side. Um, I see a lot, a lot of talented players playing from national teams to local kids that play in the ECL and the GA. There'll be a more equal to a division one. Because um, a lot of NJCAAs run like Division One schools because mm -hmm. we're preparing them for them. So I see a lot of parity between the two. Right. Well, that's good. That's good to know. And so getting a lot more, uh, a lot more pub, a lot more you know publicity, and getting the name out there. You know, on the social media side, the the streaming front. So good. And speaking of social media, let, uh, let us tell you a little bit about our partners. Our partners at Gipper. Um, so, as you know, we've been partnered with Gipper now for going on a year, and they are our primary source for uh, digital graphics. Gipper is the way that schools, athletic departments, ADs, and coaches create world-class marketing content. Join over 2,500 coaches, ADs, and programs that use Gipper to create high-quality visual branded graphics for your program. The best part, anyone can do it in seconds on any device without needing any design experience whatsoever. And, even, and if you do have experience, you're going to you're what they refer to as the power user. You're going to love it even more because it gives you so many more options. They recently just had an, an update to their system, an upgrade where they're letting you do even more. So pretty phenomenal stuff. And just for being a listener of the 5050 podcast, you're going to be able to save. You can receive 10 percent off any first time Gipper purchase. Simply visit Gipper.com slash partner slash 5050 to learn more. Again, that's Gipper.com slash partner slash 50 50 and also got to tell you about our other partners great partners that we were able to meet up with recently at the uh, the texas high school coaches association convention and coaching school our friends at global scarves global scarves is the top provider of custom knitted scarves beanies and other fan merchandise in the u.s all merch is fully custom with free design services and free shipping on all orders you can contact them at info at globalscarves.com to get any free designs or quotes built out for your school or club. Again, that's info at globalscarves.com for free designs or quotes for your school, club, or even if you want to get a personal personal one or, you know, supporters group, what have you, they're all over it. Mention the 5050 podcast or use the code hashtag 5050pod and they'll be sure to take care of you. So 
great stuff. Um, uh, you guys got uh, scarves over there, Coach? You guys will rock any? No, there? not yet. Not yet. We're going to have to tap into that. There you go. There you go. Thought I'd ask that. Um, all right. So it is that time, the moment of truth, counterattack. Right. We'll get to get to pick on you, have some fun at your expense. I mean, with you, not at your expense. <laughs> right. So the uh, Freudian slip there. All right. First one. You ready? Yeah. Let's go. All right. So you got to start one of these. So these following players, you have to start one, you have to bench one, and you have to cut one. All right. Ooh. Mia Hamm, Marta, and Sam Kerr. What do you got? No pressure. <laughs> Sorry. There's two legends in there, so I'm going to have to cut Sam Kerr. I'm going to have to okay. bench Mia Hamm and start Ma Marta. For wow. Sure. Wow. All right. I so couldn't, I couldn't cut me a ham or Marta, so yeah. <laughs> sorry, Sam. <laughs> I did see a headline that I guess she's gonna find, she's gonna be available to play finally. I don't, did you see that? Yeah, I saw oh, that. Yeah. Hopefully soon. That's what yeah. everybody wants to see. Yeah, yeah, they gotta win. They gotta win this this next one. So, all right, three. Um, or I'm sorry, game any game as a coach, not as a player. Any game day superstitions or rituals. Um, I got to eat breakfast in the morning. So I typically go to like a local diner or something and eat breakfast, kind of slowly get into my day. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, it's if I wear something and we win, I'm wearing it again. Um, <laughs> yeah. And if we lose and someone's at the game, they can't yeah. come back ever again. So those yeah. are probably the three. But if we win, they got to keep coming. So you got like empty stands the next game? You guys <laughs> do or what's going on? <laughs> no, uh, so now, have any of your players ever ever picked up on that? Especially if you win and you're wearing the same thing. Have you ever had players pick up on no, that? No, not at all. No, not no. at all. Okay. All right. Interesting one. All right. All right. Three words to describe your coaching style. How would you describe your coaching style in three words? Yeah. Passionate. Um, a player's coach. And then... That's three progressive. Progressive. Okay. Good. Okay. Good. Good deal. All right. Next one. VAR. Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Sometimes no. Whenever they go against Liverpool, but yes. There you mostly. go. There you go. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. So, uh, all right. Next one. But uh, although a lot of people say you've seen the, I don't know if you've seen that on, uh, was it social media where they call it uh, Livar? Uh, Livar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, all, yeah, everything yeah. goes in favor of, uh, of us. I don't know about that. Us. Yeah, exactly. That's what yeah. I said. All right. Um, book you are currently reading or maybe one that you recently read? Hmm, book I'm currently reading. I think it's called Rare Breed. Rare Breed is what mm. it's called. Um, it's about marketing and what it's like to be a rare breed. Um, and it talks about a lot of different stories about how to be a rare breed and how to shake up uh, the norm. Yeah. Oh, okay. How are you liking that so far? I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Really good. Okay. Hadn't heard of that one. I have to look it up. So good deal. All right. Is there, maybe there is, maybe there isn't, I don't know, but a professional coach you pattern yourself after or or that you admire uh Klopp obviously I'm a big Liverpool fan uh I enjoy him I enjoy how he treats his players and gets right. along with his players and loves his players as well as how passionate he is um mm -hmm. 
And so he's he's a big inspiration. Obviously, Alex Ferguson is someone everyone enjoys. And yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, I was recently, not too long ago, I was on the uh, the Reflective Coach podcast, and I, mm -hmm. I spoke about Klopp. I mentioned some of those exact same attributes as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. He's the man. Definitely, uh, definitely hear you on that one. So, all right. Next one. Current music playlist. We were to look Ooh. through the phone. Uh, what uh, I was going to say. It's a iPod, mixture. I was going to say iPod yeah. there, but you're not, yeah, you're not, you're young. So. Yeah, it's a mixture. We got Peso Pluma. We have Zach Bryan, we have Nipsey oh, wow. Hussle, uh, we have Marvin Gaye. So it's a it's a mixture of little things. That really is a blend. All right. <laughs> All right. I like that. I like that. All right. Current podcast playlist, if you have any. Do you have a, what's yeah, where's Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Diary of a CEO is a very good one. Mm -hmm. High performance is a is a very good one. And then obviously this podcast has been on there my radar. There she is. Yeah, we love it. We love it. Awesome. Yeah. We appreciate the support. Thank you, coach. Absolutely. Um, any now, is there, in, has there been in there any recent one that you came across that you like, like mm. very recent, like a new, new podcast that you're like, Hey, let me see what this is about. Or this is pretty good. I like this. I like my original podcast. There's nothing recently that's come up, but yeah. okay. they typically, both of them bring on guests almost mm -hmm. every time. I think right. Alex Smith was on one for the diary of a CEO that was very good so yeah Alex the former quarterback yeah oh wow are you, are you familiar with his story yeah, story yeah, yeah. that's that special Insane. that special they had on him was that he yeah. was unreal yeah. unreal so all right next one so three words you'll love this one right so three words that your players now not you your players three words that your players would use to describe you oof <laughs> that's a tough question probably passionate probably crazy <laughs> a little bit um ooh, three words and probably methodical okay i like that i like that i guess passionate and crazy is a fine line yeah <laughs> <laughs> methodical i like that though i like that so all right. Okay. Next one. All right. So I think I might know the answer to this already, but I'm still going to ask your favorite, absolute favorite, number one, and least favorite soccer team. All right. My favorite is obviously Liverpool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then my least favorite has to be Everton. Man City's down there as well. Man mm -hmm. United as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Everton. Okay. Yeah. Everton. It's kind of one of those, though, unless you're from Liverpool, I think you yeah. really ultimately get it. But it's just they've fallen so much, right? Yeah. That it's hard to, yeah. Because that's part of the rivalry piece, too, mm -hmm. right? But, uh, I yeah. can't say. Yeah. It's yeah. like my favorite ever. <laughs> now, what's the story behind Liverpool becoming being your team? Is there a particular story behind that? Yeah, I think whenever I was growing up, it was there were certain teams that were played, you know, uh, on TV and on ESPN, it was the Man United with Cristiano Ronaldo and Wayne Rooney. Mm -hmm. um, it was Chelsea, it was Arsenal, and it was Liverpool. Um, obviously, I love Stevie, so yeah. that's how mm -hmm. I got connected to Liverpool. Um, yeah. for, Fernando Torres when he was there as well, and then obviously mm -hmm. most recently Sadio Mane, etc. And so I really enjoyed the fans there. I really enjoyed the players that they brought on, etc. And so mm -hmm. that's been my team. Yeah, I just 
I wish I wish Sadio would have never left. I know. I thought we were gonna sign him again, but nope. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm sure with the way things have played out for him, I'm sure he's kind yeah. of regretting it. I'm sure. Yeah. He's so, so unfortunate. So. Yeah. All right, Alexandria Jackson, Coach Jackson is appointed the. There's a new position of soccer czar in America. All right. Oh no. Right. <laughs> You're in charge of everything, right? Okay. What, what's the very first thing? you do what's the very first change you make regarding soccer in america tomorrow yeah i would make soccer more accessible to low-income players mm -hmm. i would make it accessible i think at this point club is so expensive that it's very hard to actually find the best players in america and so i'd make it more accessible more, less expensive and then go from there yeah any thoughts on that, on what would be maybe, because that's a tough one, obviously, yeah. how, what it's come into. But is there anything you've seen, you've thought about, you've heard or in conversations that would be a good place to start with that? I mean, grassroots is something that United Soccer Coach does um, and also um, the USSF does. Um, I think to fund that is super important mm -hmm. um, and really just building street futsal courts in communities. There's basketball courts everywhere. Why mm -hmm. not a futsal court? Luckily, we're near Houston, so there's a lot of futsal courts, but yeah. making it accessible everywhere just as much as basketball and all the other sports, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Norway Norway is a model for that. And obviously, yeah. they're a much smaller country, but, uh, or no, not Norway, I'm sorry, uh, Iceland. I'm talking mm -hmm. about Iceland, but yeah. Um, all right, next one. So obviously you're about to enter officially be in season and you're going to disappear and have no time to yourself. So hopefully you've had some time though, to kind of do some binge watching or something. What's been maybe a recent binge watch that you've Okay. Had? So my players make fun of me. Uh, I watch love Island UK edition. So that's a embarrassing wow. thing to say, but I don't even know what that is. Coach. <laughs> <laughs> All the players will know. They yeah. love that stuff. But yeah, yeah basically a reality tv yeah. show it's not the best but yeah. and then i also watch uh last chance you i always yeah. love to binge that because obviously it shows and highlights junior college levels so yeah yeah good deal there's one i don't know if you saw the preview for it on uh i think it's prime i want to say it's prime coming up the one on newcastle have you seen that it's coming up in oh like, yeah i saw that i think like two weeks i think yeah. it's gonna start yeah it's it's pretty soon. good looks pretty good yeah so the tottenham one was crazy <laughs> yeah yeah i love jose man Mourinho. Yeah. i love yeah i could just the special that guy, one yeah that guy just i could listen to him like i don't know just read the back of a i don't know <laughs> a cereal box and somehow he'll just make it entertaining yeah so all right last one here for you coach um everything you've learned over the years as a coach right and uh your development process obviously you're still developing still learning mm -hmm. but if you could go back in time and coach you, right, with everything you've learned now as a coach, mm. what would you, what would you do? How would you tackle coaching Alexandria Jackson? Hmm. How would I tackle coaching Alexandria Jackson? One, I would tell her she's she's going to be a coach someday, so pay attention. <laughs> uh, two, I'd probably make sure she understood that she was a good player that mm -hmm. she could do anything that if she put in the work, the dedication yeah. that she could do that. So confidence, confidence. Good. I like that. You know, you're, I, I love asking this one to coaches uh, as of late, 
and you're the first one to say that about, hey, you're going to be a coach one day. So pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. Pay attention to all of them. I was lucky enough to be coached by a couple of legends. So I probably should have paid attention a bit more. So, right. Right. And I cannot tell you how many, how many, um, coaches I've, I've spoken with. Right. And, and, or like even now, right. Cause now it's like kind of starting to become where I'm getting a little, little coaching tree there almost Mm -hmm. or former, former players. Right. Obviously are, besides for, former assistants taking on head jobs, but now some of my players, and that's usually the very first thing they say. It's really? like, it's usually, it's either one or one A. It's, it's the, man, I, I wish I would have been paying attention or mm-hmm. or the, I had no idea it was that hard. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, we see it. I used to see it. I still kind of see it periodically with my players when we have a, um, not so much a captain's led practice, but sometimes where we have a, it's like, Hey, this is, we're going to give you some, some time to freelance here a little bit. And we want to put some of our, you know, some of our leaders in charge and run, run portions of practice in select periods. Right. We don't do that mm-hmm. regularly. And you can tell all of a sudden they just, they kind of look back at us. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> what are we so, supposed to do? Yeah. Right, 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 right. It's like, oh, you guys, it's nonstop suggestions when we're in charge, but when yeah. you guys are in charge, it's like, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's like a two minute drill and then they want to scrimmage for an oh, hour. Oh, absolutely. Like, no. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> now you need a scrimmage. Yes. We want you to play freely, but yeah, there's a little bit more to it than that. But uh Coach, this has been phenomenal. This has been great. Have loved having you join us. And we're so we're approaching the end of the podcast here. We're in stoppage time now here in stoppage time. This is where we have our our shout outs, thank yous, final thoughts, thoughts you might have as it relates to the game, a message to whoever, whoever you want to share with. Um, this is uh, where we give you that uh, that platform, that opportunity. So the, take it away. The floor is yours. Yeah, I just want to, I'm an accumulation of a lot of people. And I just want to thank, obviously, Scott Schumacher, the athletic director here, obviously, Mac McBride, which I worked under uh, before I became the head coach, Rudy Rudiker, all the coaches on campus that have kind of filled into me uh, and made me the coach I am and continue to, to support me. Great stuff. And uh, yeah, shout out to uh, to fellow 5050 podcast alum there and, and coach uh, coach Rudy, Rudy Redeker, Uh Really appreciate him as well. I know he's he's doing great things. Um, so, yeah, have loved having you on here, coach. Thank you for everything. Thank you for your time. And uh, for our listeners, again, continue to continue to do what you do. We we love you to death. You're the reason why we do it. We say it all the time, but it's so true. And, uh, you know, just the downloads, the listens we're approaching going into May. Uh, we haven't looked at the data recently, <coughs> excuse me, but going into May, we had already accumulated the amount of listens May of this year. We had already accumulated the amount of listens, views, and downloads that we had in all of uh, 2022. So, um, and that's directly attributed to you. And we're grateful for our podcast team as our podcast team continues to grow. So, we're personally uh, great. I'm personally grateful for our podcast team. So it's a great group of individuals. So thank you to them. Thank you to our listeners, our supporters. Thank you to great coaches that continue to join us and kind of, and spread, uh, spread the good name of our podcast and our intentions through word of mouth. So thank you to the coaches as well. And again, you can find us, go ahead, get on social media and you can find us on Twitter and Twitch at 50 underscore 50 pod, as well as on Instagram at 50 underscore 50 podcast. 
and on YouTube. Get on there on YouTube. Please subscribe. Uh, hit that hit that bell for notifications. But the subscription is the is the big one, right? Uh, please get there. We're trying to get to, uh, trying to get uh, grow that more and more so we can get there, and it, it allows us to uh, allows us to do a lot more. And also, when you subscribe and when you sign up for the notifications, that along with comments, that kind of helps the algorithm out as well. So, again, for Coach Alexandria Jackson, Coach, we wish you and uh, and your your girls the absolute best of luck this season. So. Thank you. And uh, again, so for Coach Alexandria Jackson and myself, you know what to do until the next time. Keep downloading and keep listening. You've been listening to the 5050 podcast powered by National Scouting Report. Help us continue to grow by liking, rating and subscribing on all major podcast platforms. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 50 underscore 50 pod on Instagram at 50 underscore 50 podcast as well as on YouTube at the 50 underscore 50 podcast. Until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening.